0: This is Valentine's Day and we're talking about the heart, it seemed like an opportune time to bring up how many people actually end their dating relationships around this time or actually on Valentine's Day. Not surprisingly, you can find all kinds of information about this online which really helped me out here. This day raises expectations which often can't be met. When someone Uh, receives a gift that doesn't match up to their ideal of what the relationship means in their mind, that's a problem. Also, people often compare what other couples have done to celebrate Valentine's Day, which brings up disappointment. And social media has also made this a problem because someone might say, oh, look what they did. How come we didn't do that? How come I didn't get that gift? Why didn't you do that for me? Truthfully, the pressure of Valentine's Day can simply just bring uh, up that a relationship was already in trouble, and so it can just cause it to implode. But to break up on Valentine's Day, doesn't that just seem mean? What kind of cold-hearted person would do that? Well, a heart that isn't in love anymore and just wants to be done. Today, we're talking about hard-heartedness. Our guide through Hebrews has just shown us excellent models of faithfulness in Moses and Jesus. Now our attention is pointed to the children of Israel who are given as models of people we should not emulate. As we think of their story of being rescued out of the cruel, hard life under the oppression of the Egyptians only to wander in the desert for 40 years, living on thin wafers of coriander and honey, we always have to consider how we would have done. In all of our thoughts about those who end up faithless, we have to acknowledge how easily that could have been us. How that has been us in certain situations and seasons of our lives. So what does it mean to have a hard heart? Could you describe it? Is it angry or defiant? If you can't define it, for certain you can recognize it when you see it in others. There's no mistaking it. We can use other words for hard-heartedness, can't we? Stubborn, unyielding, entrenched, immovable. Maybe not vulnerable or open to love would be the best way to define it. Not open to God's leading, choosing to see things only from one perspective and to stay there. Remember that our passage today is put up against the backdrop of faithfulness. The writer is urging us to be faithful to Christ, to be built up as his house, To be part of God's family, we have to have a heart that is pliable. A heart that can constrict in pain, expand with love, beat to the rhythm of serving others, respond with joy in worship, and be still before the Lord. But why do we harden our hearts against God? Because we're scared, I think. Because we don't want to submit, because we want our own way, because we find it hard to trust in something we can't see, because life is hard and we're weary, because we're tired, because we are tired of waiting, because we look around and find something we can use to survive. I don't know, because having a vulnerable heart is more difficult. It's uncomfortable and painful and messy. But God doesn't always care about our comfort or getting our own way. He cares about how we walk with Him, how we love others, what our attitude is about life, which is why this is a strong teaching about the heart. So, hear the word of the Lord from Hebrews 3 7 through 19. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as on the day of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors put me to the test, though they had seen my work works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation. And I said, they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. As in my anger, I swore they will not enter my rest. Take care, brothers and sisters, that none of you may have an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partners of Christ. If only we hold our first confidence Firm to the end as it is said today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion now who were they who heard and yet were rebellious was it not all those who left Egypt under the leadership of Moses but with whom was he angry 40 years was it not those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Let us pray. Lord, meet us where we are today with your love, we ask. Show us your truth in ways we can understand. Help us to listen well. Amen. I entitled this sermon, Take Care, which comes from verse 12. But really, I should have called it, Have a Heart. That's what we're going to talk about. For in this passage, we want to focus on three ways listeners are told that they can avoid being like the Israelites. Three ways having a heart will draw us to a place of having trust in the Lord, who leads us into the wilderness, and yet also brings us to promised lands, beside still waters, into loving community, and to the cross. We cannot allow the landscape we find ourselves in to determine the condition of our heart. We need to decide who we are, no matter the location or what is happening around us. So first, have a heart that listens to God, which is what we see in verses 7 through 12. Before we talk about Psalm 95, which is quoted here through verse 11, let's notice how the writer attributes this passage to the Holy Spirit. The word Trinity may not be found in the Bible, but the truth of the Trinity is everywhere in the Bible. In this letter to the Hebrews, God has been quoted when talking about angels in chapter 1. And Jesus has been quoted about calling us brothers and sisters in chapter 2. And now we see the Holy Spirit quoted. The Holy Spirit, who we know, is the inspiration to all those who wrote the scriptures. Since that same Spirit speaks to our hearts, it's a connection with worth mentioning, for it is the Spirit who calls us by name, who invites our hearts to connect with the living God. We can tune out his voice, but the Spirit will continue to always speak to us. Psalm 95, which uh, begins so beautifully with words that you would recognize The beginning is not actually quoted here. The last part is quoted here. But I want to just remind you the beginning of Psalm 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us worship and bow down. He is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. This psalm would have been used often, if not weekly, in first century synagogue worship as a reminder that God provides rest for those who follow him. It's not a coincidence then that King David, in an invitation to worship, would also warn us about turning away from the Lord. Listen is what, the, what, the, what it says. Listen to the voice drawing you close to God's heart. Don't ignore God's desire to be with you. God wants to be with us. Not our obedience, not our offerings, just us. And this is something that all of us sometimes forget. That God wants to be with us just because he made us. He wants us to love him with all that we are. Our obedience, of course, is part of that. Our recognition of his holiness and his power is part of that. But God wishes for all of us to bring our hearts to turn to him again and again. That's why the psalmist and the writer of Hebrews tell us, to listen to God's voice. We can hear God's voice and ignore it, but we are being reminded to engage our hearts when God speaks. Part of the issue for the Israelites and for us is that God's voice is often drowned out by other noises around us and inside of us. It's a discipline that we must learn to truly hear God's voice so that we can respond. We are made for God. We long for his presence more than anything in our lives, but when we don't readily hear it or when we don't always get what we want, our hearts may turn to discontent and rebellion. We find the story of the testing being talked about in Exodus 17. This is early in the journey when the Israelites came to a place God led them and there was nothing to drink. And so the people cried out for water and Moses told them, hey, your quarrel isn't with me. So they grumbled against Moses by asking him if, they brought, if he brought them out of Egypt to die. And Moses cries out to God and God says, Moses, take the staff, strike the rock, and delicious water flowed out. Moses was so mad at the people that he renamed the place Exasperation and Contention. Yeah, he did that. When we are thirsty, lonely, scared, when we're doubting, when we're in the middle the wilderness we didn't create and we certainly didn't ask for, we can get unruly and ugly. But we are being reminded here with the psalm and with the writer of Hebrews that there's a different way. God leads us through difficulty and pain and in the wastelands where we can't quickly leave, we decide the attitude of our heart. The consistent message in the scriptures is to believe that God is near in all of the wastelands and to listen for his direction to seek his provision and care. There's one direction we might hold on to in the wilderness from this scripture. God is saying how the people's hearts would continually go astray because they, quote, did not know my ways. Now, we know that how God acts is not the same that we would, but how is it that we understand what his ways are? This passage infers that it is through our experience. God says that the people had seen his miraculous power for over 40 years and still they rebelled against him. Now, this is alluding to a similar passage in Numbers 20, when the people again were thirsty and they dishonor God by dramatically accusing Moses again of not taking care of them and trying to kill them. So in the psalm that's quoted here, God is saying, do you not know me? How can you not know my ways? Have I not been with you? For these 40 years of providing for you, of caring for you, of feeding you by my own hand. How could you think that I would bring you this far and abandon you? That is not my way. This is a timely lesson for all of us. What is going on in your life or the world around you, where your heart doubts that God is going to be there for you. Stop and remember the miracles that he has done for you. Stop and thank him for his salvation and for the ways that he has shown up and provided for you time and time again. Think about the ways that he has intervened in painful times when he knew that you needed his care and his comfort and his healing. When our hearts are hard, we need to stop and remember the Lord and his ways. Secondly, have a heart that joins with other believers In verses 12 and 13, we are told to keep a connection with our brothers and sisters in Christ. This connection is the foundation of the church. Think about it. The scripture we read, the worship music we listen to, the sermons we watch, the Christian books we read, the blogs and the podcasts we subscribe to, the talks we have, the small groups we attend, the prayers we offer, the insights we give, the theological discussions we have, the classes we take, the meals we bring, the tears we cry with each other, the hammers we swing, the laughs we share together, the money we give, the forgiveness we extend, the way we serve in Jesus' name are always, these are all the ways we exhort one another in the community we have every day. When certain things are shut out to us, when we can't participate in everything, we can always find. God's life and exhort one another in those ways. This passage grounds us in the present even as it weaves a narrative about so long ago and speaks to the future church. It says today, today it says three times. It reminds us that every day we are to exhort and encourage one another and we wonder why? Why does it say this? And the writer of Hebrews says, so that we might not be hardened, our hearts might not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. On our own, we forget how wily evil is. When we decide that we don't need the church and other Christians who are serious about following Jesus, we open ourselves up to the lie of the enemy. Eve was Adam and Eve were deceived by the serpent, so they ate the fruit even when God told them not to touch it. British preacher John Blanchard says, if sin was not such a pleasure, it wouldn't be such a problem. Sin keeps us from knowing its true nature. To understand the deceitfulness of sin, Blanchard says, we have to compare its promises, and its payments. Yes, let's do that. Adam and Eve were promised to be like God if they ate the fruit. Instead, they were banished from the garden. They were sent out to a world to fend for themselves. How sad that they couldn't remind one another of what God had said. Their hearts were led astray together. The largest freshwater turtle in the world is the alligator snapping turtle. They kind of look prehistoric because they have heavy heads and a hooked beak and they can weigh 250 pounds. Their diet is primarily fish and they have a uniquely deceitful method of foraging for a meal. They lie completely still on the floor of a lake or a river with mouth wide open. And at the end of their tongue is an appendage that looks like a small pink worm. And so the turtle will wiggle the end of its tongue to look like a worm going through the water. And when a fish comes to get what they think is a worm, the turtle quickly closes its jaw, trapping the fish completely. This is how sin operates. While it looks like something we want, it always brings harm to those who can't recognize the difference between what is good for us and what's actually a snare. This is one of the reasons why we need our brothers and sisters to remind us about the danger and about what's real. Who in your life knows the current state of your soul? Who in your life helps you to look out for the traps of sin all around you? Ultimately, sin will lead to our destruction. God has given us one another as a form of protection. There are some battles we can't fight alone, nor are we meant to. If your heart has turned away from God in an area of your life, please reach out to someone who you trust, who will remind you of God's grace and truth. And let us keep exhorting one another every day so that our hearts stay open to God. Lastly, have a heart that endures to the end, which we see in verses 14 through 19. When the Israelites started their journey, they had no idea it was going to last 40 years. Many would not live to see the land promised to them. How could they have known how arduous the journey would be, but also what their reaction to the Lord would have been? This is the second warning in the book of Hebrews, and it is a dire one. The evidence that we have become true partners with Christ is if we keep a firm hold on him to the end. The writer again repeats the line from Psalm 95 here today. Today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. Listen, respond, act. The Israelites made a mostly strong start. And on the road, they were repentant. They tried to follow, but some of them just couldn't do it. Some of them just wanted their own way. And it's almost as though they tried to blackmail God with their lives, saying, if you don't do what we want, we're not going to follow you. We're going to make other idols to worship. We're going to go our own way. We will keep ourselves. We'll keep our hearts from knowing you more. It occurs to me how we today might expect God to uphold his promises while we act however we want. This is the idea that's being highlighted with the Israelites. Yet there are times our behavior makes the promises of God null and void. If you have made a contract with someone and they don't hold up their end of the bargain. Do you just do what is promised? If someone treats you poorly in a relationship, do you just say, Oh yeah, it's okay. It's fine. I love you. We'll just keep on as we always have. No, you don't disregard an agreement that you've made a promise that someone has made to you and just do all the work anyway. But that's often what we want the Lord to do. We expect that because he's God, because he has grace, because he loves us. Anyway, that somehow he's just going to let our sin and rebellion slide, but that's not how it works, my friends. And sometimes we might even say, what kind of God would punish the humans that he loves? Well, the author of Hebrews would say the kind of God who is true to his word, who offers grace and so many chances over and over again. And at some point it becomes our choice to walk away. But that's not something that we can blame the Lord for. Let us keep our grip on the Lord with the same hope we had when we started on our journey with him. When we had full assurance of our faith, God will give us strength and life to finish well. We are being exhorted to endure because in the journey through the desert, life can be long. Trust in the God who is right next to you, whose promises are always true, and who will give you the power to follow him. All who look to Jesus will not perish, but will thrive. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you about the state of your heart today? Just as we can recognize hard-heartedness in others, we can surely see it in ourselves. We know exactly what it feels like. We know how we act when we are rebelling. It's interesting to notice that Pharaoh wouldn't let the Israelites go because he had hardened his heart against God. And yet, once the people were free and out on the journey, it was only a matter of time before they hardened their heart against God as well. We too, in the deserts of our lives, are not immune to our hearts being hardened against the Lord and His love if we're not careful. Let's be honest with ourselves about our capacity for shutting God and others out. Today, this day, let's make a new commitment to remember the saving grace of our God, to listen even in our discontent to trust when we can't see the place where he's guiding us take a few moments in prayer now allowing god to minister to you exactly where you are today thank you for listening if you would like to learn more about the free methodist church of santa barbara you can visit us online at fmcsb.org we pray this message has been a blessing to you